Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. And I had a question about Ideonomics, IDEX, and provides unbiased answers. Clearly, this is the type of name that's going to have a lot of hype, and you're playing the long game here because, from a business perspective, they're not making any money. Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. This is Chris in Hawaii. Really love the show. And I'd be um, interested to hear your take on this one. Rolls Royce, R-Y-C-E-Y. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARK. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 15th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in with me for this hour and do my best to give you as much information and perspective that I can that will help you make better money decisions. And as I do that, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. We want you to come along to with the ride with us, the, the learning experiences, the successes, and improve your financial situation to a point where you are financially free, right? That's our all of our end goals and whether I'm giving you market reports explaining how and why to invest in certain asset classes pros and cons uh, individual stock commentary sector analysis etc all that will be presented without bias I'm just here to give you the facts and my perspective of about 20 years of experience now I'm Justin Klein of course we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions and yes, you get to shape the show to your liking when you do reach out. And you can call and interact with us right now during the live stream program, which is 4 to 5 Pacific time each and every weekday. Or if you are listening after hours, you can always leave a question on our Anytime Invest Talk voice bank, which, as always, is the same number, never changes, 888 chart So let's get right to our first question now. Hi, this is Manny from Southern California, and I had a question about Ideonomics, I-D-E-X. I noticed that the share is decreasing pretty rapidly, and I have over 100 shares in that. If you could please share your thoughts on that, that would be very much appreciated. I love the show. A big fan. Thank you. All right, this is Ideanomics, and it trades for about $3.30 at the close today. That's down from its 52-week high just a few weeks ago of $5.53. This They operate as an artificial intelligence and blockchain power fintech company. So clearly, this is the type of name that's going to have a lot of hype, a lot of volatility, and you're playing the long game here because from a business perspective, they're not making any money and they haven't made any money and their cash flow remains negative. They continue to issue more shares. Look at this name. 3 million shares outstanding in 2010, now 178 million shares outstanding. And trailing 12 months, only $16 million in revenue. 
losing a dollar seventeen, just hemorrhaging cash, and they're doing it on the backs of shareholders when they're just being diluted constantly. So that's what you're seeing here is just a steady flow of shares into the market, diluting shareholders, making any growth, which granted over the last uh, quarter, last quarter, year over year, was very strong, but they still didn't do that at a profitable clip. So, you know, this has to be a long-term player for you. You have to be able to handle the ups and downs, and you have to really understand the business. It's still a $1.2 billion market cap, and they've done $16 million trailing 12 months in revenue. It's really hard to swallow. I really would have to have high, high confidence that they're going to have revenue explode. Not just the fact that, oh, they operate in the fintech space, in the blockchain space, not just the story, but where is that eventually going to go? And so to me, this is a name that I would definitely not invest in. I would be getting out of unless you have some very long-term buy and hold reason that, that I don't know about that could really, really explode their revenue and profits far, far higher than they are today, which right now is pretty anemic. Now, why are we here today? Well, I know that you need strategies to help deal with the current market environment of shifting leaders, shifting dynamics of the economy, inflation, growth, earnings, and political ideologies and headwinds. And all of this is going to change the way the 2020s look from an investment perspective. And you need to be prepared for that. And that's what I'm here to help you do is help prepare you for the coming decade that is going to look very different than the last decade. So I'm right now ready to take your calls on our Invest Talk Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. So give me a call. Now let's check in on the market today. You have the S&P up about 25 points, a little over half a percent, a new all-time high. The Qs, however, up three points, 0.1 per, uh, sorry, excuse me. The Qs are up $3, which would be about 1%. So you had a little bit of strength there on the NASDAQ. Uh, and, and growth stocks certainly outperformed the value side after a week, last week, where value continued to uh, outperform. And one of the reasons why was the 10-year was down, down about almost three basis points, to still, but still at 1.607% on the day. The 30-year closed down th about three and a half basis points, down to 2.37% on the day. And that Lower interest rates is good for the tech side, the growth side. So the big question is, where will they go? Where will they go in the near future, in the long-term future? Now, what's most important to the markets, though, is the near term. And tomorrow, we start the first uh, FOMC meeting. And they conclude on Wednesday. And there will be an announcement of policy changes and that's, they're not going to do a whole lot, most likely. They're not going to make, I don't think, any substantive changes to their policy. But they will jawbone, I think, the market. of What will happen when rates get to a certain level? What will cause them to act like they've done in the past? 
to maybe quell financial upheaval, financial problems. And that's really been their role for the past couple of decades. Now, do they shift towards, hey, we're just going to let things play out, let the government stimulate? What are they going to say in relation to the higher rates of treasury yields and how that impacts the economy as a whole? Mortgage rates are now inching close to that 3.5% level, which we haven't seen since uh, pre-pandemic. They talk about that. So higher costs of capital are difficult to handle for an economy and a financial system that has a lot of debt. And asset prices, especially real estate, predicated on low costs of debt. And so what they say about all of those factors will be interesting to the market. So I don't expect a lot of big moves until we get to Wednesday. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are now into the third trading week of March. And with all the changes we see happening on the horizons, on the horizon, it's important to remember that during these type of periods, the task of building your personal financial freedom must continue. You can't afford to take your eye off the ball, and that's why we're here. We're here to help you with that. So we're going to talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is vital. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, I've got a question about a company, Rolls-Royce, R-Y-C-E-Y. This is Chris in Hawaii. Really love the show. And I'd be um, interested to hear your take on this one. Uh, It's got a lot of name value. I recently took a position yesterday uh, when the market was down. And um, just curious to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much. Love the show. All right, looking at R-Y-C-E-Y, this is Rolls-Royce Holdings. This is an ADR. Now, they're out of the UK, and they're one of the largest manufacturers of engines for aerospace uh, and defense. And I think that's one of the issues here is that they make a lot of their revenue comes from the aerospace industry. And obviously, the aerospace industry is on its heels right now. So I would... Say so this would be a deep value play in my mind. You really have to have faith that uh, the airline industry is going to have a big turnaround. And I am not so sure about that, at least in the short to medium term. Now, long term, maybe we might, we might get back to levels that are reasonable uh, to sustain something similar to pre-COVID air travel. But I think that could be 10 years from now. There's permanent, in my mind, loss of demand from the business community. No longer are businesses going to travel for small little meetings. They're going to be more reticent to spend money when, hey, a Zoom call is essentially free since you already have a subscription, right? And this is a name that has continued to 
decline really since the start of the pandemic, but even before that. I mean, this hit a high of about $14 in late 2018 and is about a downtrend since. So their balance sheet is stretched. And that was what worries me the most is the level of debt. So I don't think it's cheap enough. I think you're taking a lot of risk. I know you're going to look at the price of, oh, it's $1.70. It's cheap. Well, not necessarily. So frankly, I'm going to pass on Rolls-Royce. Could they have a turnaround? Sure. But I just don't like those kind of longer-term headwinds, which I still think, you know, 10 years is kind of a long period of time. And I think there's going to be a lot of headwinds there. So I'm going to pass on Roy's, Rolls-Royce. And speaking of that, let's go talk with Alex in Virginia. He's talking about Boeing. Yeah, hey, Justin, how's it going? Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, yeah, so I have a small starter position in, in Boeing uh, from a couple months ago. But, um, you know, they've been having a lot of new new flow coming in, and they've got some new orders. Uh, it's a lot of new, new good news flowing in for them. But um, I have a small, small starter position because just, Kind of, I'm, I'm a little concerned about their debt, you know, have been. But, um, you know, what do you think about adding on any – I know it's run up right now, but, like, maybe on some pullbacks. Or do you think I should just keep the small started – just a, a small position that I have? Um, you know, I kind of see it as a reopening play down the line. Um, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the um, – yeah, possibly adding more or what you think I, sh- I should do with it. Well, my thoughts are very similar to what I just said about Rolls-Royce uh, in, in even a, a more targeted way that is Boeing as well. Uh, Rolls-Royce is at least a little bit diversified in some of, some other areas, even though they're heavily reliant on aerospace. But Boeing is pretty much entirely aerospace. And if business community does not go back to having salespeople and their employees go on a lot of business trips, that means permanent loss of demand for air travel and the most profitable segment of our air travel. And that means the number of flights that are being flown each day, especially weekdays, is going to be limited. And there's going to be excess supply of planes on the market that, were, that used to be flying you know, more routes. And so the used cost of air, airplanes is going to is, is already in the, in the toilet, and I think it's going to stay that way for an extended period of time, which is going to weigh on companies like Boeing. And Boeing, over the last decade or so, has been terribly run. You see that with uh, the, their scandal with the with the seven 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 Max and the. Uh, the, the fact that they bought a t- ton of shares back at very high prices, leveraged up their balance sheet, put themselves in a position where uh, they almost had to get bailed out by the, by the government. And so I just think there's far, 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 far better places from a risk-reward perspective to be than Boeing. So frankly, I would sell it. Thanks for the call, Alex. My focus point today is a story about the housing market and has it reached a tipping point. We're talking about that and whatever is on your mind. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. 
My focus point today concerns this story. Has the housing market reached its tipping point? Well, why do we ask? Well, home prices are overheated, mortgage rates are rising, even though the supply of homes sales are anemic and the inventory is anemic, but consumers' confidence in housing is fading. And the big question is why? So let's recap kind of what's happened over the past year or so with the housing market. And we know the pandemic caused kind of an emotional run on home buying, right? Trying to get out of big cities, trying to get into bigger spaces, wanting to find uh, bigger homes to, to work out of, to maybe detach from the family life a little bit by having a little bit more s space. We've seen that with uh, strong demand for uh, temporary dwellings you know, that you can, you can put on your, uh, your property outside of the main home. That's tripled in the last year. And so these are the effects of the pandemic. And home prices are overheated. Mortgage rates are now rising from about 2.75 to three and a quarter, edging closer to that three and a half range. And that's why consumer confidence is falling. And another big reason is the pandemic-related mortgage bailouts are set to expire, meaning the moratorium that one in seven uh, Fannie and Freddie sponsored mortgages have gone into, well, that's going to expire at the end of the summer. Now, plunging uh, home sales plunged 18% from March to April last year, then another 10% from April to May, but then shot back up in June. So you had that snapback and really, uh, really strong pace of sales going back, going through August, really. It was the fastest pace since 2006. And this strong demand for housing came at a time when supply of the homes were very, very low. People wanted additional space and sellers pulled back on not wanting to, to sell, right? They didn't want to move themselves. And what's interesting about this recent, recent bump in mortgage rates is that for, for the half a poll rise from 2.7.25, home buyers lose 23,000 in spending power when it comes to affordability. And that's why you're seeing affordability get stretched. And this happened back in 2018 when rates went from 4% to 4.6%. That was about a 15% rise in the cost of borrowing. Here you're talking closer to a 20% rise in the cost of borrowing. As of January of this year, prices were up more than 10% year over year. So you see prices up, cost of borrowing up, and the only thing that you could say is a positive is that jobs are coming back. But the jobs that are coming back are not of those that are typical home buyers. Right? Most of those jobs that are coming back are in the service economy, right? waiters, people that work in hotels, maybe uh, airline employees, etc. Now, a recent poll uh, report by Fitch claimed that national 
home prices were overvalued by, by about 5.5%. And so this is only going to be exacerbated as rates rise. Now about 75 million households, or about 60% of all U.S. households, are not able to afford a median-priced new home. And that's really the issue here. Now, supply is still limited and will remain limited for some time. And I think that's the, the big saving grace for the housing market at this time. But as moratoriums roll off, as people get comfortable of people walking through their homes, seeing their homes, moving to a new home in that process because maybe they're vaccinated now, I think you're going to see a big shift in the housing market over the next six to nine months. And by this time next year, I expect it to be a buyer's market more than a seller's market, at least more than you are now. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse audience. In fact, we receive caller questions from around the world and across America. So let's take a question now from Florida. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is uh, Jeff from Florida. I was calling to get your thoughts on Pampa Energy. Uh, P-A-M, it's a Argentine utility. I was doing some research on infrastructure utilities, especially from what's been going on in Texas to see where they are. A lot of them are already kind of, seems like I've missed that. So I was looking around a little bit more for a deeper value utility and came across this. What are your thoughts? Thanks. Well, first off, I like that it is foreign and you're going to get that tailwind from likely stronger foreign currency, although the dollar has been showing some recent strength. Now this is a name that historically is a bad balance sheet and it's improved it in recent years, so I like that. Chart-wise, it's looking pretty strong after a number of years where it's been weak. About $70 a share back in 2018, now we're at 14. So it does look like a, a, a value play, even though shares have, have exploded here. So. Uh, I don't like it from a risk war perspective because of that problem with foreign currency, so I'm going to pass on it, but it is fairly undervalued. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed, Invest Talk. Hi, this is Mark calling from the Bay Area. I have a question about um, how you guys go about your data. I know you guys say that you pay for data, and I'm interested in having access to some premium data as well. What sites would you recommend or what sources of data would you recommend? And um, what brand of data do you guys pay for? That's what I'm most interested in. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, we do have various data sets. We don't buy or subscribe to just one. Morningstar Premium is, I think, a great all-around service. I believe that's 100 bucks a month. We have uh, the most premium service that they offer. Y charts, there's a, I think there's an institutional cost one which has uh, export data. That's where we use a lot of our data. We export a lot of our data from uh, into Excel, and there's ways to build worksheets and and, and filters and things like that, kind of custom. Uh, but maybe you don't need that. Maybe you just need the uh, the basic package. I believe that's also 100 bucks a month. Uh, and there's other ones that we get from TD Ameritrade. You could have a TD Ameritrade account and use Thinkorswim, and, and I believe that's free for retail clients if you have a, a, uh, an account over there. I, mean, I don't get, we don't get paid. We use TD as our broker for our clients, but we don't get paid, you know, kickback by saying that the, it's, it's good. Uh, I just think it's a, a good service for uh, those that are trying to do it themselves, trying to gra- gather good data. So, uh, that's so, certainly one. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, there's there's some other smaller ones, smaller reports on individual companies, things like that. But uh, those are more expensive for I think for the average person. So I hope that helps. Hope it gives you a little perspective. And the best free one I still think is finviz.com. Just don't use Yahoo Finance, please. Now, in the next Invest Talk, we will present a newly compiled best of caller question show. You will hear Steve Peasley and I alternate to questions recently submitted by our listeners. The special Best of Podcast will be posted tomorrow. Now let's grab a live call, this time from a listener in Napa, California, L-U-M-N. Uh, good afternoon, Justin. 
Uh, yeah, I'm developing an interest in uh, LUMN, Lumen, uh, and uh, I've been looking for a little pullback because it's in the uh, uh, tech area, but uh, there doesn't seem to be coming any, so I, I guess uh, it just keeps chugging away up in an upward mode. So uh, do you think there's a possibility of a pullback in that one, or should I just uh, bite the bullet and just pay, buy it at the market? Well, I would say just buy it. So we've owned Lumen for a little while now, a month or two. Bought it uh, in the 12 and change area. Now we're at 14 and change. Those yield about 7%. Now you said it's in the tech space. I wouldn't classify it as tech. I know a lot of people get that confused uh, because to me this is in the telecom industry. They have 450,000 route miles of fiber including over 35,000 route miles of subsea fiber connecting Europe, Asia, Latin America, etc. And they're the one of the US's largest telecom carriers and about 70% of their revenue comes from the business community. And so we like their business. They have phone services across 37 states, about 4.5 million broadband customers. And the biggest issue is they've been had bad, they've had bad management. Their business and revenue has been rarely pretty steady, even though recently it's been in decline. But it's been decline because they're letting kind of unprofitable lines of business roll off. They're not uh, reinvesting in that area, and they're they're just being better managed now. And so that's why we like Lumen Technologies. Like I said, yields about 7%. Still is a bit of a risk because they do have uh, a decent amount of debt, but they are paying down that debt and getting their balance sheet in order. So we like that. So Lumen Technologies, we are fans. Now let's keep the pace moving. Go back to the Vestock Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier on 888 chart Hello, Steve and Justin. I have a question about HSAs. I have the ability to invest with my HSA. Would it be better to use the HSA to pay for my medical and dental and vision bills since it is tax-free, or would it be better to pay with my regular after-tax non-HSA monies? On one hand, you have the ability for investment growth, but on the other hand, you avoid taxes. My logic is that an annual growth of, say, 7% is going to be less than the you know, 24% tax on my non-HSA dollars. What do you guys think? Thanks. Love the show. I listen every day. Well, you're going to have to use that HSA money on medical expenses at some point. Yeah, you could grow it, and maybe you earmark that later in life for long-term care or just the natural medical expenses of aging. So maybe you think of it that way. It's more strategic around how you spend that money or when you spend that money. So... I don't hate the idea. I've, I've never really thought of it that way. It's typically a small piece, and it you're going to be saving so much. If you have an HSA at work and you're going to be saving that consistently, hopefully you don't need that much money You know, decades from now. right? So it would be better to spread that out over your life and actually be able to use it. You know, I think that's really the best argument is, Hey, yeah, you could accumulate it for a, into a large dollar amount, 
but hopefully you won't need to spend that much. So I think you're getting a little too cute with your strategy, and I would just use it for medical expenses. This is Invest Talk. Let's pivot to Chicago. Hey, Stephen Justin. My name is Greg. I'm calling from Chicago. I'm invested in a company called Workhorse Group, uh, WKHS, and it recently uh, just plummeted due to um, a contract that they were supposed to be getting with USPS, and it fell short. And I'm wondering if uh, now is the right time to buy in because it can be shooting up or if you think it's going to be uh, pretty stagnant for the long term. I appreciate your call. Uh, This is classic. Uh, workhorse group. I think I've spoke about this over the past few months. This is your classic story stock. $2.2 billion valuation. That's after dropping 58% from its 52-week high of $42.96. So it's already down a ton. It was trading at four-plus billion. Now it's at two-plus billion. But it's not even worth that because they don't make money. It's all about the story that their electric trucks are going to change the face of government vehicles like uh, post office trucks and fire trucks, etc. It's a story. It reminds me a lot of Nikola. And you've seen how far that's dropped. Once again, this is not an environment where you want to be invested in these story stocks unless you have a very strong conviction that they're going to grow just exponentially from where they are today and grow into that valuation. This company did $700,000 in sales last quarter. Yes, not $700 million, $700,000. They're going to lose 81 cents a share this year. It should be the highest loss since 2017. So their losses are getting bigger. I would not be buying into this name. I'm Justin Klein. Listen to Invest Talk, and this now official. We have hit over the 30,000, sorry, 30 million download mark in the history of our Invest Talk podcast and the radio show, the Best Talk Radio Show, which. I don't know if you know this, but it's still a radio show up in the Bay Area. But it's been going back well before that. And our listener base is throughout the world. And Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and telling your friends and family. And keep the calls, questions, and emails coming in. We love them all. And remember, you can visit our investtalk.com website. It has a good number of resources for you to help build a financial future that you can be proud of. And if you're unsure on how to start, I suggest you take our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. It'll give you your investment comfort zone, your speed limit, shall we say. And of course, you are welcome to our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, whenever you are around. If you live here locally, if you're visiting, we'd love to sit down and talk with you and help you in any way. But for now, our phone lines are open, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. 
So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hey, Steve. This is Adam. I'm calling from Texas, and this is the uh, post-winter get-in or whatever they're calling it that just happened here and really did a number on our uh, power grid. My question has to do with homeowner's insurance. And you said before, if we ever had any questions about insurance, to give you a call. So before I bought our house last summer, I did shopping for homeowner's insurance and found a really great deal. But unfortunately, I, said, I found out recently the trade-off was the $2,500 deductible. So I was wondering if you could give me any tips for how the, the best way that I can get the most affordable homeowner's insurance without having to pay an arm and a leg if I do have to file a claim. Thanks for your help. I really appreciate it. Well, I will say that I'm not the insurance expert myself. This is probably a better question for Steve. Steve worked in the insurance industry for a long period of time. That's kind of where he cut his teeth on the investment side, as well as the claim side. And he was he worked in all aspects almost uh, of the insurance business. I know there's a lot, but he he's really good at this stuff. Now, I will say, and he will say, that having a high deductible is a good thing. You rather have a high deductible because more often than not, you're not going to use that insurance. Far more often. And you're going to save way more over decades of paying lower premiums than you will by avoiding some $2,500 deductible, which you might feel is, is high. So what I would say is I would keep that. <laughs> if you think your deductible, I would keep $2,500. Just save up $2,500 and earmark it for a potential claim of any kind. Now, I also know Steve is a big fan of umbrella policies where you have a certain low level of uh, coverage on a lot of different things and you have an umbrella policy on top of that that covers kind of big ticket potential liabilities. So, I wouldn't be scared off by high deductible. In fact, all of my insurance, car insurance, etc., all have high deductibles because I rather pay a lower premium and higher deductibles when, God forbid, something does happen. Now, I will say the one thing I have a low deductible on is what they call it comp on my car insurance because I always get cracks in my windshield. I get rocks that skip up and put a little crack in my windshield and then I have to pay you know $500 $1,000 deductible well I have that down to a hundred because I pay a hundred bucks I get a new windshield that's game over so that's the only one that I have a low deductible on but all my other things collision you know I've never had in any major car accidents so 2,500 bucks is not a problem especially in the homeowner side I would just keep it pay that low rate let's go to Sid in Canada he's looking at EYESIs Hi, Justin. Good evening. Hello from Ontario, Canada. I am yeah. regular listener and almost frequent caller. So thank you. You guys are the encyclopedia. 
the question is about i'm planning to take a small position here uh, i mean lot of good stories but i heard that this company has some potential and you just answered in the previous question so should i look into this company for a long term short term or what's your opinion should i just pass this symbol All right, so you're looking at, let's see the name of this company here, EYES, which is Second Sight Medical Products. When you say you, you hear they have a lot of potential, what do you mean by that? What kind of research have you done on this name? This is a company who is uh, developing a second retina for the blind people. so that they can have uh, some kind of the provisions to see the world and they are doing some research on that side and they have uh, some good results and uh, good potential outcome not sure they are still there at the end but that's what my initial assessment says that and if that is true then this is going to be just for the blind people one of the best innovation you know well then that's what you're buying into here you know that the business is not does not have Uh, there's not much revenue or or um, any profits right now so this is in, entirely about the product that you're speaking of and their their implantable prosthetic devices which is that's what they make for blind individuals if you think that that is a, a game changer and frankly i don't know much about that particular technology then this is probably a buy right if you're making blind people see at a 344 million dollar market cap i'm pretty sure that that is going to play off pay out excuse me uh, pay off excuse me so if you believe in the technology i'd buy it but you have to do research this is invest talk i'm justin klein give me a call at 888-99 chart this is invest talk Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99 chart. Hi guys, a uh, big fan of the show. So you guys were talking about macro trends and how they affect stocks such as interest rate going up or down and what they mean for stock prices moving up or down. I was wondering if there's a resource or website I can go to learn about the different macro trends that would affect stocks. Thank you. Uh, is there a resource? I can't think of one off the top of my head. You know, we just know this from from history and studying different alloc allocations, different uh, headwinds and tailwinds for different sectors. Some are very intuitive and straightforward, right? The growth of the economy is better for consumer discretionary companies, good for industrials, typically good for resource commodities like energy. And when things aren't going so hot, those industries typically underperform. Interest rates typically drop. That benefits areas like industry, excuse me, utilities, 
REITs, consumer staples, and other areas of the economy are more, or the market are more driven by inflation, ebbing and flowing. So really this is just more studying the sectors, studying the economy, and finding those historical correlations. So it's more intuitive than anything, and it's just really knowing the industries, knowing what creates headwinds, what creates tailwinds, and being able to react to that and allocate accordingly. Now, I know we can fit in at least one more caller question before the show is over. This came in earlier from Georgia. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is James from Georgia. I was just wondering what y'all thought about Arch Rock Incorporated, ticker AROC. They're on an uptrend right now, and their earnings per share are supposed to be growing by a significant amount this year next year. Their debt-to-equity ratio is a little high at 1.8, but I was wondering what y'all thought about it. Thanks. All right, looking at Arch Rock Inc. This is a company that is a natural gas contract operations service company and provider of natural gas compression services. Interesting, interesting. Let's look at their revenue. It was hit a bit in 2020, down about 10% year over year, $965 million in revenue in 2019, $875 million in 2020. So modest hit to revenue, still yields about 5.6%. And their profitability, even though their revenue was down, their profitability was, was pretty strong still. Trading 12-month free cash flow of almost $200 million on a market cap of $1.5 billion. Not too bad. I don't see a big issue with their debt, to be honest with you. It doesn't look too high for their business. What I'm more concerned about is their profitability longer term. It vacillates from positive to negative. And it only averages somewhere in the mid to high single digits over the last decade. And so what that tells me is that this company doesn't have what we consider an economic moat. Any way to shield themselves from competitors and extract higher than average returns for their shareholders. And that's what worries me a lot. And if you look at the shares outstanding, they've gone from 60 call it 70 million shares in 2017 to 151 million shares outstanding today. Over doubled in the span of three to four years. And that's not really because of COVID. They almost doubled it from 2017 to 2019. They've issued a ton of shares, diluting shareholders, and their business has not dramatically moved up. So I'm going to pass on it. I just don't see that historical profitability and cash flow. It's relatively cheap based on last 12 months of earnings, but it's a business that's up and down. And so I would not be buying now at the top end of that cycle. So I'm passing. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Or they can listen live to our live stream broadcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time each and every day, and then we upload that into the podcast stream. And be sure to rate and review. 
And we invite you to call with your questions anytime on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. As always, that number is 888-99 Chart. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.